Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You stay that simple. It is a lot of the things of God extremely simple. Praise God. Praise you. Seventy one times uh, in the book of Psalms, there's a there's a word that comes up and you need to look at it. I will get it to you in just a few minutes. I know one time I did a funeral and for some reason God took me there and I forgot to talk about it. So all of a sudden I thought about it. And so I looked up in my concordance and found that 71 times in the book of Psalms, I read it about 330 times. And that's probably not a lot. You know, so I thought, well, I could find out what that word is and find out what that means. And sometimes we do that. I find myself that a little bit as we go into the Hebrew and as we go into the Greek and the Persian, that sometimes it can be extremely
before we can actually do anything. There's hope for every person in this room, on that internet, in this city, in this county, in this state, in this country, in this world. There is hope for every person. But what you and I have to do is we've got to take Jesus off the back burner and we've got to start putting him on the front burner. And that is today. That's what God wants you to do in the name of Jesus. He wants you to do what he's telling you right now, today. Come on, that's exactly where it is for us in the end times. And this is not being critical. I'm not trying to force you to go into that. I'm trying to get you at least two or three layers of veneer right now. Because some of you are pretty well ingrained in thinking that you're going to live forever. Some of you think you might have ten years. You might have five years. You might have, you know, maybe 50 years. And I'm not here to be the prophet of that. But I'm here to tell you folks, just like those people that I saw this past week, and they're aging, I'm telling you something, that's exactly what's happening to you. And there's going to come a day when you're not going to have a tomorrow. You're only going to have today. And God is not trying to force you to do things. He's just trying to get you kick-started in the beginning, in the name of Jesus. That's what he's trying to do. Because that's one of the biggest forms of pride and deception is when we think we got time. When we think, man, we got everything going for us. We don't have to do it right now. I'm telling you right now, you just fall right into the rut of deception when you think that way. And God wants to shake you out of that rut. Because there's so many things that he wants to do today that will make a difference tomorrow. That's what the deal is, praise God. And that's why when you begin to engraft his word in today, there's all kinds of you know, possibilities that will happen. It's a domino effect is what it is, praise God. I'm not saying you're going to get rid of all of your problems. I'm going to tell you that God's going to be there to help you with every one of them in the name of Jesus. Can you lift your hand right now and ask the Lord to help you today? Come on, pray that prayer. Come on, pray that prayer today. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Again, I'm not trying to, I'm not so much trying to pull on your emotions as I'm trying to pull on your spirit. That's what it is, praise God, because your spirit is what connects with God. Amen. That's what God wants to reconnect. There's somebody here that you've had the Holy Ghost for a long time, but it's been inactive. It's been in your life, and you just kind of put it on the back burner. But I'm here to tell you today that God says you can bring that right back up. You can begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. You can begin to, to, to know that God is present right now in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. That will not only give you peace, but that will give you encouragement. That will do a whole lot of things in the name of Jesus. Come on, does somebody want to do that right now? Come on, I'm not embarrassed to talk like this. I'm not embarrassed to make these kind of requests. I'm telling you right now, he's our on-time God. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, it's moving. It's like a river. It's like a swift current right now. That's what's happening. 
Quit worrying about what somebody else is going to do. And why don't you just reach up and do something for the Lord right now? Come on, why don't you just quit quit that idea of I don't, I, I'm embarrassed. I don't want other people to think bad of me. Who cares? Who cares? I'm telling you, God has given us another day. Come on, he's given us another day. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. He's given us another day. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's it. That's it. Come on. There's somebody that has already broken through. There's several of you that are right on the verge of that. There's several right in this place that your answer is right here today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait until things get better. You can, you can get it right now. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, it's powerful, folks. It's powerful. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. Praise God. Phase three. Praise God. Um, and again, you know, this Selah stuff, it, it, I, I begin to see that there's a lot of times that God allows things to come into our life just just for the purpose that we'll stop doing something and we'll kind of look around. Yeah. And I mean, it's th that's God. And the reason he does that is because he makes his love available to you. And that's his love trying to reach out to you, helping you to realize that you just can't keep on going the way you are, you know, that you're going to have to stop and you're going to have to pause and you're going to have to consider, what am I doing right now? Are there things in my life that take me away from God? Are there things in my life that don't promote the things of God? You answer that. Examine yourselves whether or not you be in the faith. This is all very simple stuff. This is not meant for, you know, people to have doctorate degrees and PhDs. You don't, I don't know if there is such a thing in, in the kingdom of God. I really don't. I just think there's a relationship that grows. And as that relationship grows, we begin to prioritize things, and God begins to be integrated in many and more things in our life. And pretty soon, man, it's, it, I don't know when it hits 50. I don't know when it hit over 50% in my life. I don't know. I don't know when. And I don't know where I'm at percentage-wise, but I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep adding God to, to my equation. And every day I'm going to add God. And I, I personally believe, even in a fallen state like this, that if I was to live long enough and, and be consistent enough for the Lord, not working my way to heaven, but just working on that relationship, that I could, you know, possibly get it up to 80, 90 percent. And again, that wouldn't take away all my problems. It would just help me, man, that walk of peace and joy and happiness. What many of you have felt in this place here right away is you felt the joy of the Lord. And why was that? Because the Bible says he likes it when his people will praise him. He just likes that. You know, and that's what was happening in here. And so what you felt was the joy of the Lord. Now, one of the things I've recognized about joy, the joy of the Lord, rather, is that it's very close to faith. The joy, a lot of times, if I'm doing something that pleases God, it helps me to have faith in him. It just does. The two have worked hand in hand for years in my life. And pretty soon things can be accomplished because it, without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
It really is. And so I didn't play. I didn't lift up my hands today because I felt like it. I did it because I know it pleases him. I do it by faith. And pretty soon that has a momentum in my life that really carries me through a lot of, a lot of trudge and a whole lot of junk. Praise God. And so this is what God does in Jesus' name. Now look at this. Look at Psalm 61. Scripture says there, it says in verse number one there, I'm in Psalm 61, it says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. Now, I understand that's kind of a simple statement, but I, it's very profound. I want God to hear me. And a lot of times, if, he wa if, I, if I want him to hear me, I need to hear him. And so, that again, the two work hand in hand. And then it makes a statement in verse number two that is absolutely so true for every one of us. Verse two of the 61st Psalm. It says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. What does that mean? That means no matter where I'm at, God. If I'm in Iowa, if I'm in South Dakota, if I'm up in, even in North Dakota. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. She was here. But Montana, Idaho, all the places... A beautiful North Dakota, yeah, yeah. Anybody could pray up there, right? But what I'm trying to emphasize is it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter. If we cry unto the Lord, we have faith, we know that after we've heard him, he'll hear us. And so the Bible says one of the reasons why that has to happen is because not if. Not if. There's not an if there. There's a when. So what does that mean when that says that? That means it's going to happen. And some of you came today in this condition. The Bible says, when my heart is overwhelmed. And that's where we find ourselves sometimes. We find ourselves overwhelmed. I mean, we tried to do our best this week. We tried to do everything right. We tried to, you know, be kind and, and all of that kind of business. But something happens. The world that we're living in, praise God, has one of those pressure things. And sometimes we find ourselves overwhelmed. And so the Bible says when that happens, not if, we've got to have somebody that will lead us. Come on, because one of the reference points the Bible makes, it uses a lot of analogies, the Bible does. And the reason it does that is so that you and I will get it. That you don't have to have a PhD in this. You can, you can right away you know what he's talking about. And one of the analogies the Bible uses a lot is that of, the, of a rock. Solid. Something that can't be moved. Jesus used that reference point when he was teaching on his Sermon on the Mount. You know, he talked about the wise and the not so wise. And he talked about the difference was where they were building their house. And again, that's a question you have to ask yourself right now. You know, one of the greatest analogies in the Bible, um, and there's many of them, is found in the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis, right away. And what is that talking about? It's talking about that mankind after the flood, for some reason, decided they wanted to, wanted to safeguard themselves from any or more bad things happening. And I know I'm talking to at least two people right now. Now, that's what you've tried to do. You tried to set your life up, man, maybe it's financially, maybe job-wise. You just don't want any more problems. You're not going to let this economy sneak up on you again. And that's what you've done. And you're trying to safeguard yourself. And that's exactly what they were doing at the Tower of Babel. They were building a tower. You can talk about how far they got, it doesn't make any difference. But literally, folks, those people were carrying bricks to a building that was never, ever going to be complete. And this is where some of you are finding yourself right now. 
You're sad. You're upset. You're even trying to negotiate with God that God, let it go on further. Let it go on further. I'm going to tell you something right now. Looking into Elmer's eyes, he ain't going to farm anymore. He ain't going to climb on a tractor anymore. He isn't even going to be able to drive anymore. This is what I'm seeing, folks. And I'm not trying to make this into a, a sad situation. This is reality. This is what's happening to us. We're aging, praise God. And we're not getting better. We're getting older. That's what's happening. Our, the only thing that can get better is our relationship with God. I'm telling you, if you're putting your eggs in that basket, no wonder you're frustrated. No wonder you're coming to this place and you're mad and you're bent out of shape. And I don't want to hear that little mouthy preacher. I'm here to tell you, folks, it's because reality is hitting you smack dab right in the face. That's what's happening. And so the Bible says, when my heart is overwhelmed, and that's going to happen several times. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And that's what God wants to do on a consistent basis. But those of you that pull in here every six months or, you know, when things really get bad, no wonder you're having problems. And I'm not here to criticize you. I'm here to say, get on it today. Come on, make up your minds today that something's going to be different. I'm going to do something from here on out that's going to make a difference in the name of Jesus. That's what God wants you to do. Yeah, this will this this will teach you to give me a week off. I'm telling you, folks, I feel this in my spirit that there are people right here today. If you just get engaged with the things of God today, it'll make a difference tomorrow. And by the end of the week, you're going to see a significant difference in your life. No, not all of your problems are going to be gone, but you're going to have that hope level that goes from here way up to here. And pretty soon you're going to have a direction. I know what I can do. I'm going back Wednesday night, praise God. Oh, I'm going back to hear the word of God because I'm going to engraft that into my heart in Jesus name and then after Wednesday you say hey around Friday or Saturday I'm going back on Sunday praise God I'm going to hear the word of God again I'm going to let that word come into my heart in the name of Jesus come on this is what God wants from you come on he doesn't expect you to pull rabbits out of your hat he doesn't expect you to be the miracle worker he just expects you to have faith in him and that's why again hearers doers Hearers, doers. That's what you find in this Bible. You find examples of people that that's what they got into the pattern of doing. Let me give you an example of this. Look at the book of Acts, chapter number 12. Book of Acts is a tremendous book to study because it helps us to see the mission of the church in the world that we live in. Now, I understand they didn't have Apple computers back then, and they didn't have, you know, uh, cars and, and, you know, this, the kind of stuff that we have, but they had the, the same uh, the sense of what the world was bringing to them. And in that world, there was leadership. The scripture says in verse number one, I'm in Acts chapter 12 and verse number one. Now, when the church gets into trouble, or when the church has their heart overwhelmed, they got something they can do. They don't have to sit around and say, oh me, man, what am I going to do now? You know, that type of thing. Well, let me give you one of those for instances. The scripture says in verse number one, I'm in Acts 12, chapter number one. It says, now about that time, Herod the king. Look at somebody and say, he was the leader. Yeah, stretch forth his hands to vex certain of the church. You know what the word vex means there in the Greek? It means to oppress. The word oppress there means to occupy your thinking. 
That's what our world is doing to us today, Mr. CNN junkie. I'm serious. That's exactly what's happening to some of you. And I'm not here to be critical. I'm just here to say, why are you listening to that stuff? I'm not saying that they can't tell you some things, but my goodness, the Word of God can tell you a whole lot more. And so this is what was happening during that time, and they didn't even have radio or TV. And so here's this guy who's the leader, and he's making it hard for the church. That's what he's doing. And believe me, folks, we're already in that arena. We're already there. It don't matter who you elect this next time around. It's going to be there. Because our country has been constantly going down a godless trail, and that's what they want to do. It's just like the Old Testament when the children of Israel said, We want a king. We want a king. Oh, give us a king. You know, and that's what they were doing. And so God says, All right, here we go. And boy, you know, you can ask one of them when you get to heaven. How'd that work out for you? You know, that's what I'm talking about. And so here you are. And I'm not down on all leadership, folks. I'm just telling you that my leader is Jesus Christ. That doesn't make me anti-American. In fact, that makes me a better American. I'm telling you the truth right now in the name of Jesus, that we've got to be God-first people. That's what God is calling the church in America to do. And so here's this guy. He's in charge, and he's making it rough. And so the Bible says, just as a political favor, amen, in verse number two, he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Who was he trying to impress? The Jews. That's exactly what he was trying to do. He's trying to squash the, the Jesus name movement. That's exactly what he was trying to do. And so the scripture says, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter, and then were the days of unleavened bread. You know, it was in the spring of the year. And so here you are, you know, he's taking Peter prisoner, and he's got an intention there. And so the church sometimes is going to find itself in trouble. The church sometimes is going to find itself with their hearts overwhelmed. That's going to happen, whether you live for God or not. And so the scripture says in verse number four, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of, of soldiers, 16 that means, to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. And so what he's doing is he put this guy in prison and because he had a little bit, he's thinking, oh, I better make sure this guy's secure. He puts 16 guys around this guy. And so the Bible says, here they are. But the scripture says, because the church knew what to do. Because the church had a connection with God today. Because the church didn't sit around and pout and, you know, and say, oh me, those things are doom and gloom. Like some of you have been doing way, way too long. It's time that you get to a prayer meeting. It's time that you start getting consistent in the house of God. It's time that you start coming and living for God and becoming a factor of, of, of victory, being victorious in this world in the name of Jesus. And so how did they do that? Well, look at verse number five. The scripture says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but it says prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of this. You can do this at your leisure, but you're going to find that God is a delivering God. And that's exactly what he did for Peter. And so this is what you and I can expect Come on now, it didn't work out so well for James, but it did for Peter. And so you and I must understand when our hearts are overwhelmed. 
When we find ourselves in a place, praise God, where, where you know, things are kind of crumbling around us, and many of you are experiencing that, and believe me, just wait long enough and it'll happen. And I'm not a prophet of doom, folks. I'm just very realistic. You know, if, I, if the Lord tarries, I, that's what I saw. I gave him a big hug. I said, Elmer, I've always respected you. I've always, I've always appreciated your example in life. But then I looked and I saw myself. That if God tarries long enough and I don't die, that's what I'm going to see. Whether or not I live, you know, that doesn't have any bearing on my relationship with God. That's life. And so this is what we, we, what you come on to, praise God, is that God wants to put something in your life today that will help you to prepare for whatever tomorrow's going to bring. And I'm not saying, man, the whole bottom's going to fall. You know, all I'm saying is that you want to keep on going the way you are right now without him? I hope not. Well, examine yourselves, whether or not you be in the faith. Examine yourselves, whether or not you're just hearing the word and you're not really doing it. Well, that's not me critiquing you. That's me, by the help of the Lord, teaching you. That's the voice of God. And that's what God is trying to help you to understand today. You cannot hide from that. One more. One more example. Come on. Lift up your hands and thank God for the first example, okay? Reach your hand over and touch your neighbor and pray for them. God, anoint them. They got to hear the rest of this. Come on. Come on. There's a danger at this point in the service that you begin to turn God off. You begin to say, well, that's enough. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's not enough for somebody here. Somebody needs to hear this too. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it, Lord. God, anoint them to hear again. I come against any distraction. I come against things in their life right now, praise God, that's trying to overwhelm them, that's trying to get back on the front burner. That, Lord God, that you are going to be in charge of things if they will allow you to be in Jesus' name. And that will bring a different ending, that something is going to happen in their lives, praise God, that can change the face of eternity in the name of Jesus. There it is right now, in the name of Jesus. Oh, oh, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, keep praying. I got to do something before I forget.
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. One more example here and then we'll quit. Praise God. By the way, men, tonight, 530 here in the sanctuary, come. Come. We're going to pray. We're going to take authority over things in the name of Jesus. I have been praying for the last two days against the Siva spirit. It's in here. Some people, you think just because you're doing a few things for God that you got authority and you don't. You have authority when you let God's word become the dictating factor in your life every day. That's how it works in Jesus' name. And you're going to see some of that here tonight. Amen. Cody, we're trusting you. Come on. Casey's Pizza. That's what you need to order. Just order a bunch of Casey's pizza. That would be great. Praise God. All right. Here we are. Acts chapter 16. And we're just about done. We're circling the airport. That's what we're doing, folks, okay? And the Bible says here we got two guys, Paul and Silas, that are doing the will of God. That's what they're doing. They're out there propagating the gospel. They're out there seeing good things happen and that type of thing. And they kind of run into a buzzsaw because what they did was they tapped into somebody's living. Yeah, this Lydia or whatever her name was that, that's in the 16th chapter here. She had these devils and she was a soothsayer, you know. And she was making somebody a lot of money doing that. Not, not, doesn't that remind you of the world we're living in? But Paul, you know, he, he delivered them. And so he, he got some people upset. And so what that did was that it, it rose up some people and a lot of them were Jews, you know. A lot of them are traditionalists, that type of thing. But let me go ahead and take it... Um, in verse number 22. And this is what happens. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. And so we see in the 12th chapter, when that happened, when their hearts were overwhelmed, the church just got praying. And not just five minutes, not just 10 minutes until they felt good. They just prayed without ceasing. And I believe that's going to be one of the traits of the apostolic church again, that we'll learn how to pray. If my people that are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, you know, do what I tell them to do. He said, they can, you can expect to hear from God, and he will, he will forgive your sins, heal your land, and you will find a tremendous advantage there. But watch this. The Bible says in verse 22, you got it, Sister Carnan, 16 and 22. We're in Acts. It says, and the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. So they're going to physically get beaten. Scripture says, and when they had laid many stripes, I don't know how many that was, but it was more than one. Scripture says, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Prison. Here we go again. You know, just like Peter. You know, and so the Bible says, who, um, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Do you want to know what the inner prison was? It was a sewer. That's what it was. It was a place when they really didn't like somebody, that's where they put them. And so here they are, you know, not even a double dog dare. This goes right, right in there. And so the scripture says, it says, this guy, he said, I'm going to make sure these guys don't get out. And so what he did is he put their feet fast in the stocks, and at midnight, Paul and Silas, boy, doesn't that sound familiar? When 
My heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Are you catching a pattern here? Come on, I hope that you will catch this pattern for your life today. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. They didn't keep the volume down. And the Bible says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. There you go. And the scripture says, And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Do you want to know why he was going to do that? Because back then when they hired somebody to take care of the prisons, they gave that man a charge. And they said, If anybody escapes, it's on you. Oh yeah, we'll go looking for him, but we're going to take care of it right away with you. And so this guy figured the doors are open, these guys are gone, I'm a dead man. And so here's what he's got. That's what life gave him. That's what a good job and good pay brought him to. Come on, I hope somebody here really gets that one between the eyes. I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm not telling you not to work hard. But I'm telling you right now, you're carrying bricks to a tower that will never, ever be built. The only thing that's going to stand is the things of God. Hopefully somebody can get that through their thick skull right here today. Wow. It's the truth. Come on, I'm not trying to get on your, back, your bad side. I'm trying to help you to see something here. Praise God, this guy had a good job. But my goodness, one mistake. And man, he's a dead man. But believe me, it doesn't matter in the world. We still have hope in God. Can somebody say amen? Let me show you where that hope is. The scripture says, but Paul, in verse 28, we're still in this story here, cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm. We're all here. And the guy's, he's blown away. And he brings in a light and he springs in and he comes trembling. He fell down before Paul and Silas. And what did he ask? What's the stock market going to do next week? Where can I go get a better job? Where can I get a better car deal? No, he didn't ask that. Look at what he asked. The scripture says, and he, verse number 30, and he brought them out and said, what do I got to do to be saved? And you don't think there's people around you right now that have the same mentality? I'm telling you the truth. God put eternity in human beings. He gave us an awareness of what's going on. And people around us are aware of it. That's what's happening. And so this guy didn't ask the question about why didn't they leave? Or boy, you know, can I get a raise and all that kind of... No, he just said, what do I got to do to be saved? And the scripture says, you know, I remember I was, I was um, uh, not debating. I was talking to a very nice man who told me one time, he said, all you got to do is believe and you'll be saved. And I appreciated the guy. He was sincere. I thought, well, yeah, you know, you got some of it right. And he brought me to this scripture here that I'm about to give you. Look at verse number 32, or verse 31. And Paul's answer to him when he said, what do I got to do to be saved, is he said, believe. Believe. And so it's in there. And he was really proud. He said, you see, you're making a big deal out of this born-again thing. You shouldn't be doing that. All you got to do is believe. And I said, well, 
kind sir. I said, would you do me a favor? He said, what? Read on. What happens when people believe? What happens? Well, I'll show you what happens when some people believe. The scripture says, and they, he's, that Paul and Silas said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized. That's why, was it you last week? Hey, I wasn't here, so you got to do it again. No, I'm not, I'm not kidding, I'm not kidding. But... This is what I'm talking about. If people really do believe, they'll begin to read the rest of the story, Paul Harvey. They'll begin to see other things in the scripture, praise God, that are pertinent to have my relationship with God to be bolstered up. And that's exactly what this jailer did. Yeah, I mean, Paul didn't, he didn't have time. This guy's in despair. He's ready to kill himself, you know. He didn't have time to go through a 10-page Bible study. He just said, believe on the Lord. That's a good place to start. Amen. And then he says, you got time for a Bible study? And I don't know how long that went on. But the scripture says they all came to the same conclusion, that they needed to be baptized. And the scripture says there in verse number 32, and he took off, took them the same hour. Somebody say today. Come on over here. Somebody say today. That's what they did. They didn't say, well, let's make an appointment next week and let's really reconsider this. No, come on, folks. This is where you and I got to get off of the place. One of the things that I pray for on a weekly basis is spontaneity, that people will be spontaneous with their walk with God. Come on, this is what God gives us an opportunity to do in this place. How many people have we ministered to in this place? Because first of all, you came, but then we got spontaneous. God begins to move on us. All of a sudden, somebody starts coming to an altar. And God bless you, sis. Somebody over here starts coming to an altar. Not putting anybody on the front row, but something happened because we became spontaneous for the Lord. Do you see what happens in the presence of God? Now go ahead and take another six months off and come back. No. I'm just being facetious, but it's the, that's the problem. Is you're not consistent with God. That God wants to handle you today, and he wants you to be back tomorrow. And he wants you to start getting serious about your walk with God every day. And all of a sudden, praise God, you're going to find a power and an authority in your life that you never had before. That's what's happening. And that's what the church does when they get into trouble. That's what they do. You know, it's ten times, I think it is. I don't know if you realize this or not, but um, Paul wrote some epistles in not some very pleasant places. One of those epistles is the epistles of Philippians. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but he wrote that epistle from jail. Literally. And one of the themes of that epistle is rejoice. Rejoice. Now, I understand that Paul and Silas in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts were praying But something that you miss when they begin to sing those psalms was they begin to rejoice in the Lord. That's what some of you were able to break through today with not ultimately God's help, but with our help. There were people around you that were doing this and you just could, you could get on the bandwagon. 
And then you begin to feel the joy of the Lord. You felt that. And I'm not saying, you know, you got to feel it every time, but it's real. It really is. And so you must understand, these are evidences that God is moving amongst us. And so with the joy of the Lord, all of a sudden we can have a little faith in God that he can do these things. And all of a sudden somebody gets healed over here or somebody gets delivered over here, whatever the case is, you know, all of a sudden that, gets, that comes back home to us. And we begin to realize that God is no respecter of persons, that he loves everybody. And that's what he wants to do for you. He wants to help restore that relationship in Jesus' name. And that's the ultimate thing. You know, I'm not trying to be critical here, but I, I am going to say something that I hope I don't upset somebody. But I have get a lot of prayer requests through the week, and I'm glad to do it. I pray. Everyone I get, I pray for. But I probably don't pray the way you want me to. <laughs> because what I'm realizing is that there are some people that want me to pray for them so that their life will turn out well so they don't have to live for God. That's exactly what I'm seeing. I won't look. But that's exactly what I'm seeing. I'm pastor. I have to see things like that. And that's what I'm seeing. That's why I graciously will accept your prayer request. But one of the first things I pray for people is, God, I, I pray that they would be saved and that they will come into the knowledge of the truth because I know that this is your will in Jesus' name. And then I might, as an addendum, put on, you know, touch them there and touch them that. Because I realize at the end of the day, and especially after hugging Elmer, that your life, his life, my life, we're going. You're getting older. And I know it's a gradual thing. And I know sometimes I don't either think about it 24-7. But it's times like that that God brings it back around and says, I'm preparing you for a better place. One of the things that Jesus tried to do with his disciples, and I'm done here, you know, right before he was crucified, was he tried to encourage them, you know, that this is the process that God is doing. I'm going away, but I'm going to come back, you know. I'm preparing a place for you. And one of the things that you find about the kingdom of God is that God is, the Bible says, I think it's in the 46th Psalm, that it says that God is an ever-present help in our time of need. And that is true. He's ever-present. But a lot of what God is doing is preparing us for the future. And he does that by solidifying our lives now. And that's what God is doing in this place right now. Praise God. He's trying to give you a solid foundation. Praise God. And the only foundation is him. And many of you were able to touch that him of the garment. Now, let me ask you the question again that I asked you at the beginning. Are you just a hearer? Your future will determine that. Listen to me, folks. I am not the judge. I am not. I make a very poor one. The last Wednesday night I taught, I used the idea, the reason why we're not judges is because you and I do not have the whole picture. God is the only one that does. But one thing that God gives us permission to do, and I do it a lot with my own life and I do it with yours, is I fruit inspect. And if you receive there, if you hear this word today and you start doing it, there will be fruit.
there will be. If you don't, and it's not like I go around looking at your, you know, bad fruit, but it's obvious to me. Some of you come back in here after taking your sabbaticals, and then you come back in here, it's same old, same old. Oh, I need God, Brother Garnett. I need God. And I, yeah, tell me something I don't know. I do too. But I see there's no fruit. That you spent a month, two months, whatever it is out there, just trying to figure out this good job that this jailer had. And all you're doing is getting more and more disappointed. Now, a question I'll ask you, and I am going to... Let's get on, let's get this thing in the airport, okay? In North Dakota. You know, but the idea of it is, folks, what are you going to do today? What's going to be different today that's going to make tomorrow? Yeah, neither do I. Praise God. I was walking around the church again today. Folks over Maverick thinks I, you know, whatever. But the bottom line is, you know, the Lord spoke to my heart. And I'm thinking about the future got a beautiful wife I want to provide for and want to make her happy and all this kind of business. And I, I'm going to do that with the help of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Bacon and tomato sandwiches. And ketchup. Been trying to help her for years. You know, but we're going to do that. We laughed this weekend. We had fun. We had a real serious talk on Friday. She really tanned my hide. But I'm thankful for her. Oh, she did tell you, between her and Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And it's good. Convicted the daylights out of me, man, I prayed. And I'm going to be better, babe. I am. I'm going to try to be better. Because I want to be. Because I want to be like him. Praise God. And so this is where it's at. You know, but today when I walked around this building, God spoke to my heart and said, I've made you the pastor of this church today. And I have anointed you today. And boy, I mean to tell you, I could feel the power of God come on me. I mean to tell you, it just, all that other stuff that we think about just flew off. And man, I could concentrate on today. And I learned, my, I learned again, take God one day at a time. Yeah, you can plan for your future. I'm going to do that, folks. We've been doing that for years. But today is the day that really makes the difference. And that's what God wants to do for you. Are you prepared to make some commitments to God today? Let's stand. Come on. We don't even need a song right now. What we need is God. Come on. We need God. And if you're prepared for this, why don't you come down and voice that? Come on. Don't be afraid of that. This is what God does. He draws us closer. He draws us closer. That's what he's doing. There's no shame in, in your weaknesses. There's no shame in your failures. There's none of that. Come on. God is just a God that wants to help each and every one of you today. He wants to solidify your walk with him today. That's what he wants to do. But you're going to have to request it. God isn't going to violate your free will, by the way, sir. He's not going to. He's not going to grab you by the nap of the neck and throw you down and make you do this. This is going to be of your own volition. This is going to be because you want it. This is going to be because you're the one that wants to do these things. Come on. Let's just take a few minutes and let's reaffirm that in the name of Jesus. Mm, hallelujah. Oh, my goodness, God. Yes. 
Let this mean something today, God. Let this get a hold of us. In fact, God, I release the spirit of engrafting, the spirit of engrafting to come into this place right now and to get a hold of us, Lord, like never before. Oh, like never before. Oh. Oh. <laughs>